This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you're a manager. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello, yes, let's go. It is the Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app. Plus, all the podcast platforms. Do I sound too chipper after one of those brutal Seattle sports weekends? Gosh, these are familiar. We've had them before. I remember them over the course of the 14 years or so that we've been doing this show in its various iterations. This one was bad. No doubt about it. Mariners lose all three games. Seahawks get blown out at home in their opener. This was a bad one. We'll get to the Mariners here in a little bit. I'll start with the Seahawks. Now, I I will say, just as at the beginning of the Mariners season, I said it's early, it's early, it's early. After week one, I will say it's early, it's early, it's early. And game one is generally a big liar. We heard Mark Sanchez say that last week. We've heard other everyone say that over the course of the last few days. Week one has an, a tendency to completely alter our view of reality. That it is not always a clear glimpse into what we will see the rest of this year. So, Understand that any comment made about yesterday's game does not necessarily signify a belief that that will continue for the next 16. Does that make sense? Can we agree on that? I don't know. I read Twitter last night. Things seem pretty dire. Well, I don't know whether things are dire, but if yesterday was a bellwether, then obviously they're in some big trouble. It's probably not a bellwether. It probably does not show us what's going to happen the rest of the year. But I think the thing that that jumped out to me more than anything else, and there's a lot to to unpack here today. I want to ask Brock about Geno Smith and how we thought he played. I'm going to get you guys all on the phone here, 630. I got 25 minutes set aside to take phone calls about what you saw yesterday and what you were upset about or what you wanted to see differently. We got a lot of opportunity for some phone calls here coming up in a half hour. Beyond all the obvious, beyond the, you know, offense unable to get anything going after the first two drives, beyond the glaring holes in the middle of the Seahawks defense once again, as usual, beyond all of that, beyond whether or not they were outplayed in terms of how hard they played, Geno Smith, Bobby Wagner, all of whom mentioned something about getting outplayed and out, out wanted it by the Rams. I felt like every big decision the Seahawks made in the offseason seemed to look bad in week one. Doesn't mean they're going to look bad in weeks two through 17, but I thought almost every one, at least every big one, ended up looking bad in week one. Go through it. Who was our most intriguing Seahawk before the season began? Dre Jones. Jones, Why? Because the Seahawks, in a big year of free agency, chose to give him their day one money, the most money they had spent in free agency since Pete and John had shown up here. Dre Jones, game one, two total tackles, zero solo tackles, zero pressures on the quarterback, essentially invisible. Didn't notice him on the field. Didn't realize he played. Their first-round pick, number five overall with some really big-name players on the board. 
Devin Witherspoon didn't play. Meanwhile, Jalen Carter, the guy most frequently mocked to them, a sack, a bunch of hurries, absolutely influenced the game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, six for next-gen stats, six pressures and a sack on 32 pass rushes in his NFL debut. Tied for the most pressures by any rookie defensive he had tackle six in a pressures, game over so he, the last five seasons. He had three times more pressures by himself than the Seahawks had as a team? Yeah. Correct. Jackson Smith and Jigba, number 20 pick. Good. Perfectly valid debut. Did you see Zay Flowers, the guy they passed on for JSN? I'm not saying JSN's not going to be good or that Zay Flowers is going to be better. Let me be really clear. These are just observations from week one, and they don't necessarily mean that this is going to be a long-term problem. Zay Flowers looked amazing. Jackson Smith and Jigba looked fine. Did you see Zach Charbonnet? Me neither. Did you see Derek Hall? I know he was out there. Zero impact. They decided to bring back Bobby Wagner in the middle. Did Bobby make a difference? I thought he helped a little bit with the run game, but he was absolutely picked on in pass coverage, and how many of those Rams completions were right in the middle of that defense, right where the middle linebacker's got to be? And then the last one, and not everyone's going to want to hear it, they chose Geno Smith over going a new direction with with the quarterback position. Not only did they choose Geno and give him a deal, which is fine. Again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing these moves. Just telling you that in week one, none of them worked out. When they decided to go with Geno, they also decided not to draft any of the rookies, not to trade up, not to make that part of their off-season plan. Well, did you think Geno made anybody better yesterday? I did not. I didn't think he made anyone around him better. I don't think Gino was the problem. I'm not blaming Gino for the loss, but I don't think he did anything to elevate his offense. And after the first scripted drive and one other, their offense was, I mean, anemic's not even fair. That was some Charlie Whitehurst era garbage. I mean, the second half, they were like setting records for how bad it was. They gained 12 yards in the second half. Nine of them came on a meaningless final play. I mean, they were, they were abysmal. They could not move the football. Couldn't run it. Couldn't throw it. Couldn't catch it. Couldn't get open. Couldn't block after the first half. Yeah, Gino did not make anyone around him better. I watched some of the other rookies. Bryce Young obviously did not have a great debut. C.J. Stroud, yikes. Did you watch any Anthony Richardson? I know he threw a pick late, which absolutely cost his team. That dude's clearly not 100% ready for primetime, but wow. I was impressed with what I saw. Now, again, they didn't have a shot at him, in theory. Maybe they could have traded up if that's the direction they had wanted to go. But you just look at all of these big decisions the Seahawks made in the offseason, and I like a lot of them. I want Dre Jones to be great. Yesterday, he was not. I want Witherspoon to be great. The number five overall pick. He didn't play while Jalen Carter dominated. I want Jackson Smith and Jigba to be great. I think he's going to be. He was fine. Zay Flowers looked great. Charbonnet and Hall, your second round picks, when you had needs specifically on your defensive line, did nothing. They were there. They didn't do anything. Charbonnet, three forgettable carries. Hall, I know he was on the field, but I didn't see him. And then Bobby, look, it was an unbelievable moment, and we'll talk more about it. That was great. Unbelievable. I had chills up and down my arms, man. It was fantastic. Full-on goosebumps.
which for some reason Brock calls goose pimples. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Goose pimples makes yeah, like, gives me goosebumps. Don't Ugh. do that anymore. Yeah. Ugh. But Bobby, as as great as it was having him back, and maybe look, maybe it helped guys get in the right place. Maybe it helped with the run defense. Maybe somebody else would tell me. But the passing defense, that same spot over the middle, that same problem they've had for how long now? Hard for me to look at all those moves and say any of them have worked out right now for the Seahawks. So what are you chalking this one up to? Week one? You didn't take him seriously? Or it's is this al- a sign of something? It's else? always week one. Okay. It's always just week one in the NFL. I remember a few years ago. I mean, like, we've seen bad teams beat good ones. I mean, like... Super Bowl teams, really good teams, lose to bad ones in week one of a season. Happens all the time. I don't know. It's a what did Mark Sanchez call it? A dirty little liar. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I he mean, said I it was like your ex. It's a dirty little liar. <laughs> yes. I mean, I I kind of agree with that. I I don't know that I'm going to read into this and say this is what we're going to see the rest of the year. Well, we've seen we've even seen the Seahawks get off to slow starts under Pete Carroll. And like I've learned to trust that he can get them together. You can't win the game in the first quarter and you can't win the season in the first quarter of the season. You can only lose it. So this is week one. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to be knocked off my spot, but I'm absolutely going to say what I saw. And what I saw was obviously not good. And it was, to me, those decisions, right? Remember a few years ago, they drafted Jordan Brooks. And we said, okay, look, they decided to go Brooks over Queen. That's a decision. We'll judge. So far, it's been basically a dead heat. Maybe they've gotten the better of it. This is another one, right? When you took Devin Witherspoon over over Jalen Carter, that's one everyone's going to watch. Okay, Carter was off their board. And when Carter goes awry and becomes a problem, then absolutely we'll say, geez, good thing you had Devin Witherspoon and not Jalen Carter. For today, it's no contest. One guy hasn't played yet. The other guy dominated at a position you had zero at. How did they not generate any pass rush? Of all the things, look, I think figured they'd have trouble stopping the run. Where was the pass rush? Where was this great secondary? Where was the offense yesterday? Where was the passing game? Where was Geno? Where was the running game? Where were their rookies? It's hard not to overreact. I agree. I agree, 360. It's so hard to try not to overreact. But, man, was that a bad day yesterday in every single capacity, including injuries. So rough start for the Seahawks. Obviously, we'll talk more through it over the course of the whole day. My biggest question marks coming after it are about the quarterback position. I'll ask Brock about that as soon as he gets in at 7, and certainly we'll have your phone calls coming up here in 20 minutes at 6.30. Before we do, give you everything you need to know, including the other team in town who had some problems, and the two teams that are happy today. That's right. There are happy fans in Washington. We'll explain coming up next on Brock and Saul. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, that's what you call an absolutely terrible loss for the Seahawks yesterday. Not a whole lot of positive to say. Starting with the defense, it generated pressure on a whopping 5% of dropbacks. Come on, that stat can't be true. 5%? Hard to imagine. Their coverage was bad. Their run D wasn't very good. They caused no turnovers. And they couldn't get off the field. That was maybe the biggest problem. Rams 12 of 18 on third and fourth down combined. That is not going to get it done. Bobby Wagner cut three, says 
yeah, this thing is not moving the right direction. Um, I think the biggest thing is we had to get off the field. Like third downs were, were really bad. Um, you know, we kept extending the play, and then um, towards the end of the game, we need to make sure that we, we keep our cool and, and keep our composure and not um, beat ourselves. Well, they certainly did that, and the Rams played a role in it as well. As bad as the defense was, I think the offense might have actually been worse after the first two drives of the game. Those accounted for 132 yards. Pretty good. After that, they managed a whopping 38 yards the rest of the way. As I said, those are Charlie Whitehurst-era numbers. They are flat-out unacceptable. Cut to Geno Smith, unimpressed with how much his team wanted it. You know, that's something that we got to get better at. We got to understand that we got to go earn it every single play, every single down, uh, every single game. And like I said, it's the NFL. I know we got a lot of young guys who, for their first time, are playing regular season football and uh, might not know how hard you got to play to go out there and get wins, but they don't come easy. And so um, I think this is going to be a great learning experience for us. I think we can look at these moments uh, later on down the season and and say that we we gained from it. But, you know, obviously it stings today, and uh, it sucks. It really does. It sucks. I hate losing. Um, you know, I don't like losing, but the one thing I do know about this team and myself is that we're going to get back to work and uh, come tomorrow, you know, really starting tonight. You know, I'm going to get back to work and fix things and, and figure out how to be better for next week. Well, he's right about that. It did suck, not just to play in, but to watch. I mean, that was not fun at all. After an unbelievable hyped-up crowd at the beginning, everybody leaves very disappointed. Elsewhere, Niners looked about as good as you would have expected. The Cardinals, a little bit better than you thought, but they still lost. Green Bay looked nasty. The Broncos lost to the Raiders. Russ, pretty good early, not as good late, so we'll see where that story goes. And then how about those Cowboys last night? That defense looked absolutely legitimate, dominating the Giants in the pouring rain and dropping a 40-perger on them at the same time. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the horrific weekend continued for the Mariners as well. They dropped three straight after winning the opener in Tampa on Thursday. Games two and three, both very winnable, too. They had early leads, even sizable leads in both of them that they gave back over the course of the day. Yesterday, they finally just got behind the eight ball a little bit early. Bryce Miller struggled, never dug out of it, cut six. What happened? Well, you got a tired bullpen. There's no other way to look at this. Their pitching staff looks exhausted, and it is clearly affecting the way Scott's got to manage these games. Yeah, we had a couple short starts, uh, which then eat into your bullpen a little bit. You know, we had some leads uh, later in games that we weren't able to lock down. And, uh, you know, on the road, you know, I talk all the time, you got to hit the road. You also, you know, need guys step up, you know, get the big outs. We weren't able to do that on this trip. You know, teams came back against us a little bit. I say all that, and uh, like our team. I like where we're at. Okay, we got 19 games to go. We're in a good spot. Um, we're a little tired. It's the end of a trip. It happens, and we just played one of the best teams in the American League. Very, you know, four very competitive games. You know, they outplayed us. <clears throat> you know, I'm hoping we come back here again before the season's over. Yeah, and I would expect them to do that. Kind of a no favor done by the schedule makers as they don't even get a day off after coming home from this long trip. They get right back to it tonight against the Angels for three before they finally get that day off. The exhaustion is clearly getting to them, and I think it ultimately led to the vocal gaffe from George Kirby on Friday night. We'll address that in some greater detail at 7.30. But my thoughts on it, I'm glad he apologized. You can't say that. It's all hands on deck, guys. From here on out. All hands on deck, George. you got to be out there ready to go. Give it your all. Sorry you're at 90 pitches. Sorry you're tired. Everybody's tired. It's your job to go back out there. 
I wasn't wild about those comments at all. Mariners now two and a half back behind Houston. Still a half game up on Texas with the Angels in town for three, as I said, starting tonight. Also, my expectation is Jared Kelnick will be back with the team tonight, and I would expect him to be in the starting lineup. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, it was a pretty good weekend for the college teams in state. Good on them. Huskies took care of business, destroying Tulsa. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. The story was the Cougs. They take it to number 19, Wisconsin. As their coach, Jake Dickert, said afterwards, they still deserve a spot in a Power power 5 conference. In this moment, it's everything. We belong in the Power 5. These kids have worked their ass off. I'm just so damn proud of them to, to double down in the moment. We're all we got. We're all we need. <laughs> I loved it, man. He was uh, he was pretty fired up, and as he should be, the crowd storming the field after they beat a ranked opponent at home. You know what? I'm not usually a big field storming guy. Cougs, after cool. everything yeah. you've been through over the course of the last few months, go storm that field at Martin Stadium. That was pretty darn cool to watch. That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter pass to every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. All right, no, uh, no, no rest for the weary here. Let's open up the phones. We've been talking about what to do Mondays at 6.30 and kind of bouncing around. <clears throat> this is my preference. This is what I'd like to do after football games. I'd like to hear from you guys. 866-979-3776. There are people that tell me, Maura, Justin, there are people that tell me, not you guys, there are people that tell me that you can't take calls at 630 in the morning. It's just too early. That people can't handle it. That the people who are awake at this time just aren't ready to speak on the phone. I don't believe them. I believe that after a football game, everybody is fired up. I believe that after a game like we saw yesterday, every single sports fan in this city has something they want to say about that game. That's my belief. Prove me right. 866-979-3776. I'll throw some questions out to you. What concerns you the most? What decisions from this offseason do you see a little bit differently now that you've had an opportunity to see this team in action? What was real? What was just week one sort of fraudulent fooling you? Whatever direction you want to go, 866-979-3776. Let's talk some Seahawks. We'll do it together next on Brock and Salk. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Look, we all know it is a national right, inalienable, I believe, to overreact to week one of the NFL season. We're going to do it today because it's the only information we have as of today. I know that it doesn't necessarily mean the future. I know that it doesn't always foretell what's to come, but... There are a lot of really concerning signs from the Seahawks, certainly yesterday. And I'll keep coming back to the decisions they made in the offseason, right? The, I, I almost always view teams through a team-building lens. And they made a lot of team-building decisions, a lot of roster construction decisions this offseason that could have gone in different ways. And at least through week one, very, very early, way too early to judge. It seemed like all of those would have been better if they'd gone in another direction. So with that as kind of a backdrop, let me uh, jump right into the phones. i got full phone lines here. I knew you guys could do it at 630, and we'll take phone calls for the next half hour, 866-979-3776. We'll just start on line one and go right down. We'll go Brandon, who's in Phoenix. You're first, Brandon. Good morning, sir. What's going on? Good morning. How are you? Great. Um, yeah, I don't. 
see where there was any improvement in that defense. That looked like the exact defense, the same defense that was playing last year. They were maybe a little better against the run, but not when they needed to be. When it was third and short, they couldn't stop anybody. And I'm tired of seeing rookie receivers running free over the middle. I, I just, they better get those holes fixed or it's going to be a really long season. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Brandon. So, yeah, let's focus on that in a minute, for a minute here. Uh, I'll talk to KJ, obviously, about this on Wednesday and want his view on what the heck was going on in the middle of that defense because I think a lot of that has to do with the linebackers and their part of the field, and, and certainly KJ will have a pretty good understanding of what was going on up there. I'm glad you said what you did about the run defense. I totally, completely agree with you and, and actually have that in my notes for today. The overall numbers of the run defense were better. They were. The overall numbers were better. When it mattered, exactly the same. In the red zone, on third down, right? When it when when they tried when they when they needed to get off the field or needed a stop, they weren't able to get it done. Overall, the numbers were better than certainly I thought they would be. Maybe there's some hope there, honestly. Like, if you're looking for some things to be hopeful about, their run defense overall, certainly numbers-wise, was better. Did it come at the cost of whatever the heck was going on in the secondary? Because that was a mess. That was an absolute train wreck. And it could have been a lot worse if uh, if Van Jefferson didn't drop an easy one. That would have made it even worse. Oh, boy, that was, Woo. yeah. That was wide open. So that frees up a line. Good phone call. Appreciate it, Mark. 866, uh, or Brandon, excuse me, 866-979-3776. We'll go right to line two. Mark is in Seattle. Good morning, Mark. What's on your mind this morning? Good morning. I'm just uh, so disappointed in the, in the play of the secondary. Looked, uh, looked really forward to having uh, an aggressive, athletic, uh, you know, up-tempo defense, and, and we had none of that. We, we were playing... 10 yards off the ball, content to just let him catch the ball and make a good tackle. It was a lot of good tackling. I thought uh, I thought the best person in the secondary may have been Jillian Love. Um, nobody else was aggressive. Graham's secondary was much more aggressive. I did not see one contested pass from the Seahawks secondary. They were just content to, to let him catch the ball and tackle him downfield. I saw secondary standing there flat-footed a number of times, 10 yards off the line, just waiting for the receivers to run to them. That can't happen anymore. Yeah, it's so funny you bring that up, Mark. Appreciate the phone call. And, and again, you guys are two for two today. I totally agree with your phone call as well. Uh, I know there's people who think I just disagree with every phone caller on purpose. I promise I don't. I, I agree with everything you just said. Where's the, where's the aggressiveness? This is something Brock's been saying for a couple of years now and is just not understood at all. Especially now. Especially when you have the, the secondary that you've put together. This, if you're not going to trust this group, who are you going to trust? Right? I mean, this is the secondary that, that you bet on with your, with your pro bowler on one side, right? And a couple of safeties that you've gone out and spent money on. Now, maybe you're waiting on Witherspoon and Jamal Adams to get back, and that's the difference. That's going to allow you to be aggressive. I don't buy it. Maybe they felt like the pass rush was so anemic that they couldn't afford to get after the you know get after them. If you got after the receivers while while giving Stafford so much time, that would be a problem. Maybe, but I mean, Tutu Atwell and fifth round pick Puka Nakua—that's that's who beat you for a hundred yards apiece. 
Yeah, you got to change up something because I know you're more talented. But you got to change up something. You can't allow that to happen. Eight six six. Reef Wallen didn't have a full camp either, right? So I was thinking that maybe there's some dust here on more of these guys than I'm that I'm uh, expecting. Yeah, I, I, I was like looking for. I guess what I feel I, though, I Justin, like is if if you don't have that time, then go play in the preseason if you need it. Yeah, that's the thing I don't get. Look, I'm not telling you you got to play in the preseason. Dallas didn't play in the preseason. They looked uh, just fine. But if you're gonna use anything regarding not having enough reps as an excuse then you do need to play in the preseason. So I'm not, I, I don't know, I'm not going to buy that one. 866-979-3776. Love talking to Sean and Spanaway on line three. What's up, Sean? Good morning. Uh, good morning. My concern is those injuries with Abraham Lucas and Cross. Just those lingering issues with that knee and then the toe. Yep. Those are important factors on the line. Yeah, it was a totally different game uh, for them after they went out. I mean, look, they had problems with them in, so it's not like that was the only problem they had yesterday. But I, I have this again in my notes for today. The best thing I thought the Seahawks did yesterday was protect Gino until those guys went out. Yeah. Honestly, no, with, with, with their full offensive line in there, I thought they did a heck of a job. Gino had all kinds yeah, of time, and there wasn't really anybody open. But he did, you know, he had time. He was sitting back there. He had all the opportunity he needed to eat a sandwich, to have a drink, and figure out where he wanted to throw the ball. That's a huge credit to these tackles taking the next step in year two, which is something we needed to see. How healthy are they going to be for it? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. We'll ask Pete about it coming up at 930 this morning. I'm not concerned yet. Yet. I'm not concerned yet but we'll see where it goes. Uh, 866-979-3776. Thank you, Sean. Let me try Jack, who's on line four. And Kent, good morning, Jack. I'm going to just say morning because I don't know what's good after that loss. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what's most alarming is no juice. No juice. Nobody hopping around. Nobody with their hair on fire. Tyler Lockett averaged more oxygen tanks than he did catches, and I don't want to make light of him because he had a concussion, and I love the guy. And Bobby Wagner let a 50-year-old Matthew Stafford run right past him. We looked old, slow, uninterested, out of shape. We need that preseason. You guys hit the nail on the head. We need it. Who cares what other teams do? It used to be when other teams zig, we a zag. We, we were a different program. Now we just fall in just like the rest of them. Don't play our starters, and that's how they came out. Out of shape, reading their press clippings, thinking they were the favorites, and the Rams came and smacked us in the mouth in an absolutely disgusting loss, if you ask me. I don't want to hear about week one. It was the attitude. It it, It was everything. It just wasn't there for the Hawks, and I don't see it changing no time soon. Well, I mean, the one thing we know is that everything changes soon in the NFL. I I agree with everything you said, Jack, right up until that point. Everything changes every week in the NFL. So who the heck knows what version of each of those teams you're going to see next week. But the oxygen tanks, absolutely right there with you. It was hot on the field. So? I mean, it's the first game of the year. It's supposed to be hot. Absolutely. What, do you? Let me ask you, Jack, because you said it, and I saw it yesterday, and I wasn't sure if I if my eyes deceived me. Did Matt Stafford really juke and get around Bobby Wagner yesterday? He did, and, and you tell me one time that we called Bobby Wagner's name in in a, a positive fashion. I mean, I love the guy, future ringer, honor, Hall of Famer, all of that, but we got rid of him for a reason, um, and. 
if we don't get any juice in the middle of that field, which was what they exposed, they knew Bobby was dropping back in coverage in the middle of that field, and that's what they exposed along with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant probably had 11 tackles, and that's not good. Why? Because they was catching the ball in front of him, and then he tackled, like the previous caller said, and I'm tired of seeing this soft zone come up and tackle. I mean, With- where's the aggressiveness? I mean, it, it's, it's sad. Jack, you're the best. Thank you. Love, love your calls whenever you call in. I hope that, I hope that, hope you feel a little better after getting that off your chest this morning. Oh, a, I had to get it off my chest. Thank you guys. That that was therapeutic. Uh, oh, good. That's what I like to morning. hear. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> have a good morning. All right, there you go. There, you, Jack's great. I like Jack, and I agree with everything he says. I agree with all of that. Bobby absolutely had problems yesterday. Absolutely, a lot of those tackles from Bobby, from Kobe. And, from uh, from Jalen uh, from Jordan Brooks, a lot of those are because they were throwing the ball right into your zone. Yeah, cool. You came up with the catch, eight yards, ten yards, fourteen yards down the field. Eh, not good enough. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six six thirty callers. By the way, can we agree? Jack said he didn't bring any juice, or he brought juice on Appreciate fire. It. Very impressive so far. Let me go to line five. Ben is in Lake Forest Park. Ben, why don't you keep it going? Good morning. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, sure. have you have you seen uh, that TikTok with that little about that blind kid, that blind boy playing football? It's kind of like no. What we look like, and I'm wondering <laughs> if it comes back to the gentleman calling the plays and lining them up uh, on offense or defense. Oh, defense. Excuse me. Why do you think that? Well, for the last like season and a couple games, they have not looked cohesive at all. They always are looking at each other. They're always never to be found. It's just, yeah, I don't know if they're making it too hard for our defensive players or what. But we don't. They haven't looked good for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, good a good question, and thanks for the phone call there, Ben. I, I don't know whether it's a scheme thing or not. I don't know how to answer that. Right? I mean, it. it Based on the amount of talent they have out there, it should be. Based on the problems, though, that I think we all thought and now still believe they have up front on defense, I don't know. Like that, they don't have. Like I watched some of the Niners. I watched some of the Cowboys yesterday. Those teams have butt kickers up front, and because of it, everybody else's job is easy. Look, I, I told you my biggest concern with this Seahawks team heading into the season. It wasn't necessarily their defensive coordinator. It was the construction of where their money is being spent and where their talent is on their defense. It's not up front. It's in the back. And I don't think being in the back is as important as being up front. I honestly believe it. I'll keep saying it, and I know that there's people who think I'm just taking a cheap shot. I promise I'm not. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, those guys were hugely important to the success of the Seahawks championship team. But I don't believe that the guys up front are given enough credit for what they did to make those guys even better. Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, all the, the whole crew up there, Chris Clements at the beginning, right? Brandon Meebet. You can go through the whole list. It's just more it's just a more important position on an NFL football field. And if you're not getting pressure up front, which they didn't yesterday, the guys in the secondary can't defend for that long. So yeah, I, I am a little tempted to be upset about what I saw in the middle from Bobby, but you know what? How long is a guy supposed to cover? 
5% of dropbacks. They even got pressure on the quarterback. Look at that the other way. On 95% of the time he dropped back, Matt Stafford had all the time he needed. I don't know how anybody's supposed to play defense like that. 866-979-3776. We'll just keep going through it. Brian's in Seattle. What's up, Brian? Line six. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Jack was spot on. But, um, you know, I, I listened to a sportscaster yesterday tell us that the Seahawks, it was they were his, his number one pick to finish number one in our division. And after mm-hmm. watching San Francisco and L.A. and the way that they played versus the way that we played, and I know – It's not how you start, it's how you finish. But hopefully this was a wake-up call to that team on all three aspects of the football, offense, defense, and special teams. We have a little bit of ways to go, I think. (laughs) Totally agree on all that. Thanks for the phone call, Brian. Let me go right to line one, grab David in Oak Harbor. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, the problem really is the offense. The second half, they did nothing. Geno cannot move in the park pocket. He doesn't get rid of the ball quickly. He gets sacked just like last year. Um, our defense did fine, like you said, but uh, it's, it's all the quarterback play. And if our offensive line can't protect them, uh, we're going to be in trouble. Well, one thing, I did not say the defense was fine. Let me be clear. I didn't think the defense was fine yesterday. I thought the defense was a hugely problematic but I actually agree with you that I thought the offense was even worse. And I, I don't know whether it's one specific part of Geno's game that I focus on like that, David. I appreciate the phone call. I don't know. what I, I didn't look specifically at how long he took to get the ball out. I don't, I don't know how much was open for him. What I do look at, and Brock will say this, and I'll agree with him, did you make the guys around you better? Yesterday, I thought that answer was no. First two drives were great, and they show you that Geno, when he's on and in a groove and everything else, he was just fine. Did he make the guys around him better? I didn't see it. And, and to and to Frank's call earlier about the about the oxygen mask they were all wearing at the end of the game. I don't blame the quarterback for that. Trust me. But I it 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 did have that sort of deer in the headlights look at the end, like oh no. I didn't. I wasn't comfortable with the looks on their faces at the end of that game. It was like they knew what had happened to them. 866-979-3776. Go to uh, line two, John's in Normandy Park. What's up, John? Good morning. Hey, thanks. I'll take, uh, thanks for taking my call. I'll make it quick. Outside of the defense, which is obviously glaring, my biggest takeaway and problem yesterday has two letters. His name is DK. That's your $25 million receiver who's a tone setter, who's supposed to be an example to your younger receivers. I brought my kid to the game yesterday, and basically leaving out of there the whole way home, I was telling him how not to play the game, how not to cheap shot. Their, their players are going at him and taking him out of the game, and it's going to affect us. This isn't week 17 where we're 9-7 nine and, nine and, uh, trying for a playoff spot. This is week one. Week one, we're seeing this from him. I think that is a huge problem, and it really needs to be nipped. Pete needs to do something, step in. I mean, hey, maybe dangle him to KC for Chris Jones. Have a good day, guys. Thanks. Did you hear uh, DK's explanation, too? I mean, look, I saw it yesterday. Let me play you DK's explanation because I don't think it's going to make you feel any better. Here's cut 12. This is uh, DK explaining why, what happened in that altercation, and i got to tell you, he's looking at a different version of the world. Um, well, I was blocking, and I guess I blocked him a little too hard and uh, pushed him to the ground, and nope. he got up mad because no. um, he felt like I blocked him in the back. But, um, I mean, this is how I play. I, I block every play uh, when I don't have the ball, and 
I'm never taking a playoff or jogging, trying to take a playoff. So that's what transpired. I've seen yeah. their coaches yelling at me or saying something to me and their players, and you know I let that get to me, and I retaliated. And you know the second man always gets called, so just nope. gotta be better in that aspect. No, 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 that's not what happened. He's just blocking. I, look, what happens when somebody shows him the video of that? Because that's not what happened. He wasn't just blocking and he no. took him to the ground. The dude's standing there and DK smashed him from cheap shot behind. Nowhere near them. He wasn't looking at him. And it's a former teammate. Akella Witherspoon played here. Cheap shot. That is a dirty play. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. That's a dirty play. It's a cheap shot. And to, and to say after, oh, I was just blocked. That's delusional. That's just straight up delusional. My favorite, though, and... <laughs> It was Mark Sanchez on the broadcast saying, well, that's not typical of a Pete Carroll team to lose their cool like that. Like, really? Have you watched the Seahawks over any amount of time? If there's one thing I would say is typical of them, it's that. That was a little surprising. 866-979-3776. As for whether or not DK infects everybody else with that, I don't buy it. He's not going to infect Jackson Smith and Jigber or anything like that. He's his own guy. I don't. I don't think it happens that way. But that doesn't make it any less of a concern. Uh, well, let's go to our guy, Fireman Jay. What's up, my man? Former Milkman Jay, now a fireman. What's going on, brother? Good morning, Mike, Justin, and Maura. Boy, that was rough. That was emotionless, lifeless, listless. My wife was running errands. She walked in the door. She looked at me and said, what's wrong? She was worried about my emotional state <laughs> watching that game. It was rough. Yeah. Do you guys remember, like, uh, early 2000s, Chrysler made the Chrysler 300? Oh, yeah. And it was supposed to be this luxury car, luxury car, and it was supposed to be like the Bentley. And it was not the Bentley. It was <laughs> not luxurious. It did not pull it off. And yesterday, the Seahawks made the Rams look like a Bentley, and the Seahawks were a Chrysler 300. That's trying to run call. the same motions, trying to run the same misdirections, and they'd, they'd motion lock it, hand it one, the other way, bam, right into the defense. The Rams would do it, bam, right into the end zone. Chrysler 300 versus the Bentley. Not a comparison at all. Jay, that's a really, really great comp. It's funny. You still see those Chrysler 300s around. You're always like, oh, is that a bet? Nope, that's a Chrysler 300. Oh, well. It happens all the time, and, and that's a great description of what yesterday felt like, right? Really believing that there was something great, and instead just getting a, a, a smack of reality right in the face that what you were watching was not up to snuff. Great phone call. Appreciate it. Uh, let me see if I can get one or two more in here. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Casper on line six in Seattle. He's got a different take on DK. Go ahead, Casper. Good morning. Yeah, I felt uh, what came to mind was a fight or flight mentality. And uh, I was watching the game, and you could feel the second half people were kind of uh, – Lost interest. They started watching some of the other games, and uh, I just wanted something to spark momentum or anger, or, like tick off the defense. And I felt DK kind of losing his cool a little bit might have made the defense. You know, if we can score on a drive and the defense stop, make a couple stops, I, I felt the momentum would change. And no. uh, you nah, know, if we're winning, Casper, that's a cheap shot. Casper, I love you, but no, that's just a cheap shot. That didn't spark anybody. That didn't get anybody going. That's just a cheap shot, man. Good. Like, I appreciate the I, – I know what you're trying to say. appreciate the phone call. I, I know what you're trying to say, 
And I, I, I like that there's some fight in there, but not that way. That's not the way I want to fire up my team. Not with a cheap shot. I want to fire him up with a great play, or with a really great block, with a with a ball where you you know, take the ball and knock somebody over. That'll fire up my team, and you can do it within the boundaries of the game. Play to the edge of the whistle, fine. That wasn't that, man. That's just a cheap shot. I don't know how else to see it. 866-979-3776. Let me try Bobby in Dallas. What's up, Bobby? Good morning. Hey, good morning, folks. How are you today? I'm great. You get the last word. What's going on? Oh, well, I just wanted to say that I'm sick about the game, Brock. I mean, Salk. And uh, the only thing I can take out of it, and I'd like to hear your thoughts, is do they buy into the publicity from uh, everybody that they're the best and they're the most improved and people are picking them to win the division? What are your thoughts about that? Well, I certainly hope that's not the case, right? I mean, I, I would certainly hope that they weren't buying into it. But let me play you Geno Smith here, cut 13. He was asked if today was a bit of a wake-up call for the team. Here's what he said. Uh, I hope so. It, it better be. You know, we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't lose at home. You know, we can't do that, and let alone in this fashion. And so uh, for a lot of guys around here, including myself, uh, we got to look ourselves in the mirror, you know, point the finger at ourselves, and figure out how to get better. So, I don't know. Take of it what you will. I mean, there were some comments about how the young guys need to understand what it's like to play in this league and get ready in this league and not take anybody for granted. Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe they learn something from this. Maybe this is their opportunity to get that out of their system and start prepping the way they need to for every game moving forward because what we saw yesterday obviously was was awful. That's an embarrassing loss for them. That's not the way this team has played for the course of the last 15 years. They should be better than that. And we expect more of them than that, both offensively and defensively, and quite frankly, in special teams as well. So, uh, yeah, that's a tough one, man. That is a tough, tough loss for the Seahawks, obviously. We'll talk to Pete Carroll about it coming up at 9.30 this morning. All right, Brock's in next. He felt like they got out physical. Why? Well, we're going to get his take on this coming up. Thanks for the phone calls, everybody. That was great. You guys killed it. We'll try to do that again next week. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.